0: No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: We are friends with fantasy benefits. Mike, how hard are you right now? Oh, man, I- I've been hard since you you know, said hi. Welcome to Friends with Fantasy Benefits podcast. I know
1: it's the off season, but it's <laughs> sure a busy season for me turning out these uh, prospect pieces and stuff getting them ready to go so
3: we are friends with fantasy benefits they say all the time nobody remembers who finishes second no one remembers who has the best farm system for the longest amount of time but everybody remembers who wins especially when it's me because they never let them forget it we are friends with fantasy benefits
1: and i think with the brewers kind of being fake contenders last year i think yeah that's right chuck i said that fake contenders fake. You you have to get your guys and you have to know when to when to strike because it's a good chance it might not be around. And us, we are friends with Fantasy Benefits.
3: Welcome to the Friends of Fantasy Benefits Baseball Podcast. I am Justin Mason, lead fantasy writer and analyst, at Friends of fantasy Join me on this episode is Matt Thompson. Matt, how you doing?
1: I'm good, bro. It's been a while. I'm excited to get back on the mics, and uh, I know it's the off season, but it's sure <laughs> it's a busy season for me, turning out these uh, prospect pieces and stuff, getting them ready to go. So uh, I love the off season, though. I, I and, love uh,
3: the off season too. I wish it was more of an off season because, like you, I'm hard working behind the scenes, trying to get things ready for kind of our, our our next season relaunch which uh, is going to happen in January. Uh I apologize to everybody that uh we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks. Uh unfortunately, uh some life things happened for me um and we were unable to uh kind of get together. But I will I'm hoping that uh between all the podcasts we will uh, continue to record at least weekly rest of the way. So uh and then of course uh, starting in next year uh, will be going virtually every day up until th- the start of the regular season. So you have yeah, that I, to look forward to.
1: I think uh, our, off-season, our off-season work is strong, just as strong as our in-season work. And I don't know, to change gears a little bit, I, if I could speak for you, I just want this Giancarlo Stanton stuff to be over.
3: One uh, one, as long as it ends up with my team getting him, I'm totally fine or, with that.
1: Or, or mine. <laughs> um, but I just want it over one way or the other because it's – Nobody knows anything. Everyone thinks they know everything, and it's just Twitter's a wasteland for that stuff.
3: Well, and I think you brought up a good point uh, in our private chats and then on Twitter as well, is the teams that are attempting to be in on Stanton kind of will get their, uh, their off-seasons hijacked a little bit until yeah. decision's made on where he's going or if he's well, going.
1: Yeah, and there's another little wrinkle for it, too. I mean, everyone knows... Not to get too deep into this, but everyone knows like the Giants' farm system isn't the best.
3: <laughs> That's an understatement of the century.
1: So, like my thought process that is, you know, if the Marlins are going to trade Stanton, they might as well trade everybody, right? I mean, they might as well blow the whole thing up.
3: I think they will try, except for I think Ozuna and Yelich aren't going anywhere. Well, I,
1: I would deal those guys too.
3: I would is, too, but I don't think it's going to happen.
1: And then you know, because then you look at the Giants' farm system. The Giants' farm system isn't enough to get Ozuna or Yelich. They don't have enough. Like no. it's not possible, but the Cardinals do. So I kind of feel like if the Giants are going, or excuse me, if the Marlins are going to trade Stanton, it's not going to be to the Cardinals because they can get a ransom from the Cardinals for Osuna or Yelich. And if they do trade Stanton to the Cardinals, it kind of takes one of the big players out of that market. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, I don't. I, I just make, don't think. And the, the 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 Marlins 50, have made it pretty so clear, pretty clear they're not gonna. They're not going to move not... Ozuna or, uh, or Yelich. I just don't think it's going to happen.
1: I, I think they should because they can take that 30th-ranked farm system and put it in the top 10 of, with returns they'll get for all those guys. Real Muto, all those guys.
3: Yeah. Uh, but let's, uh, let's move on to kind of our topics of the day. This is going to be Dynasty uh, and uh, Prospect-centric. Um, and we're going to start off with a Dynasty topic because you and I were both invited – to a, uh, a brand new industry league. It's a dynasty league. It's being put on by uh, James Anderson of Rotowire. Um, and it's called the Rotowire Dynasty in, uh, Invitational. 20-team uh, dynasty league, 5x5, five 40-man five, uh, rosters, I believe. And uh, um, that, uh, that includes you have to have 10, uh, 10, 10 minor leaguers. Um, And one of the interesting parts about this Is how we're going to pick Our draft slots Uh, And it's kind of similar to Kentucky Derby style uh, Where you can kind of pick your own draft slot But you've got to bid on them uh, Based on how many keepers you want for the next year So if you bid Five uh, You get five less keepers the next season So and it's only for one season That you lose the keepers But
1: Very similar to the TDGX format If you're Mm -hmm. familiar with that
3: um, um, so I wanted to one talk about kind of what, you know, without giving away what you're planning on doing in that, uh, but kind of give your kind of thought processes about where you would like to draft if you could. Um, and then, uh, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, kind of our strategies for, uh, t- typical dynasty leagues. We don't have to give away anything in terms of what players uh, we're going to be going after. Cause I know there are multiple people, in this league that listen to this podcast, uh, and I don't want to give away too much, but you and I both have uh, different strategies when it comes to leagues like this, so I thought it'd be an, uh, an interesting opportunity to kind of highlight uh, our individual strategies because I know there are a lot of dynasty leagues that start drafting super early, uh, and people are getting prepped for those. So what are your thoughts on how you're going to approach this kind of uh, the draft pick format?
1: Well, first and foremost, get this out of the way, this league is full of sharks, man. Yes, it is. Like there's, is. You're not going to outsmart guys. You're not going to get an advantage on a certain player because you think you know more. It's just not going to happen. I mean, you've got you in it, number one. Uh, George Bissell, Chris Bless. so I'm not going to read off everybody, but Chris, Ryan Bloomfield, J.P. Breen, Craig Goldstein from BP, Clay Link, Ralph Lifshitz, prospect guy over at Ras Ball, uh, the Welsh from in this league and Rotowire, Rob Silver, one won on FBC, Brett Sayer from BP. It's crazy if the names in this league. Derek
3: Van Riper, obviously yep. James Anderson, um, and Matt Modica. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Tom Trudeau. Matt uh, Winkman. I mean, it's it's uh, it's uh a pretty amazing group of – Melissa uh,
1: Lockhart, too. forgot about mm-hmm. her. Melissa Lockhart, yeah.
3: Yeah, so. I mean, it's a pretty great group of guys. But like you said, that means that you're not getting an over on people.
1: No, it's it's you. The prep for this is going to be insane, um, and I know this is going to be weird advice, but in a dynasty league, once you get past, I'd say the first ten rounds, there's no reaches, man. You get who you want,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and especially with guys and, and girls in this league, um, you you have to get your guys and you have to know when to when to strike because it's a good chance it might not be around. And as far as like the the wrinkle with the the bidding keeper spots on a uh, on your draft slot. I think my plan going into this, not divulging too much information is I don't want to be the high bidder, but I don't want to be the low bidder. Mm -hmm. And I want to be closer to the high bidder than the low bid, but I also don't want to be crazy. And, you know, because what's the difference of first and second place between Mike Trout and Jose Altuve. And then you might lose like three extra players. You don't want to be that. You know what I mean? So So you want to be
3: towards the top of the draft is what you're saying. I want to be,
1: I want to pick in the top. My goal is probably top six to eight, or excuse me, top one to eight is my goal. That's kind of where I want to sit. It a 20 team league. I want to sit in the top half.
3: Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. And I think uh, I'm probably going to put a fair amount of draft picks on one of the top three or four spots. Um, yeah. And I mean, one of the things, and you know, I was talking with Paul Martin. Uh, on his podcast earlier today, and I and I told him, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, this is the year to you know, draft towards the end of a draft in like fifteen. Not a no league like league. this. I I don't think it is in any league because I mean the, fir- the the elite talent is so deep coming into this season that I feel like you're you know in a fifteen team league if you draft first or second you're gonna get three elite players to start off your team. Um, Whereas, you know, obviously if you're drafting towards the back, you're going to get two elite players, but then, you know, there's a real drop off I think between, you know, picks 30 and 40. Um, So I think in a league like this, I'm hoping that because people will reach for prospects and things like that, that I, I can get two or I can get three elite players in my top three picks.
1: Yeah. And that's definitely the plan. I mean, and, With talent spread out, it's going to be crazy because it's hard to to put a value on guys like, I don't know, give me uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Not going to be in the big leagues this year.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Where do you take him in a league like this?
3: Well, and see, I think that that kind of plays into the strategy of a league like this because you have the propensity to draft youth in in leagues like this, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct.
1: yeah, but there's another added wrinkle I'm going to get to. But go ahead, mm-hmm. keep with your point.
3: Well, where I have the propensity to do the exact opposite, yes, I tend too. to, I tend to draft, and, and what I will probably end up doing for this is drafting it like it's a redraft league, um, and uh, and, and going for going for it all in the first year because I say all the time nobody remembers who finishes second, no one remembers, you know, who has the best farm system for the longest amount of time, but everybody remembers. Who wins, especially when it's me? Because I never let them forget it. Um, and I'm, and i
1: it's got to be that way.
3: Exactly. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to bank that there are because there are a number of guys in this group that are prospect guys or really, really into prospects. That prospects are going to go way too high, way too early. Um, and I'm going to get a bunch of, you know, I'm going to have the oldest team in the league but it's going to be the best-looking team, in my opinion, for 2018.
1: And, and here's the added wrinkle I wanted to get to. Like, There is no real advantage to just loading up and taking prospects right off the gate uh, because it's important to look at, if you look at one of the league, league specs, the bottom three, or the, excuse me, the, 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 there's a draft lottery for the last three teams, so you're not guaranteed to get mm-hmm. you know, the first pick next year, and it doesn't snake. This draft does not snake. So first round is is first pick is first pick in every round, not you know first and twenty. Not the there's no turn.
3: Mm-hmm. You mean for for the uh, rookie drafts? Uh,
1: no, that's for everything, man. Oh, uh, even for
3: this initial draft.
1: Initial draft is not a yep. That's why we're doing the invisible hand. Uh, wow,
3: because
1: it's because okay. it's not very I, I... random. He doesn't want to do random because there's no snake, so you know and and another important thing is too there's no you know say i go crazy and i bid 15 keeper spots for the number 1 pick and the second highest bid is 7 there's no victory system i just lose eight players like <laughs> so it's it's intense
3: yeah and well i mean that's to me one of the reasons why i'm really interested in uh in making just a huge push for the first year one because I've been a part of a ton of dynasty leagues that have folded after two or three seasons. You know? And you
1: can't, and you have to fill out a roster spot. If you don't have enough spots in your roster, you, you, there's a possibility of getting booted from the league.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it's, you, you can't really load up on young prospects and just kind of sit and relax. It's the goal is to be competitive throughout the whole time. And this, this league is going to be outstanding and I, I can't wait for it to start. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty going in, but I think we're kind of all in that same boat. Um, so it it'll, it'll be fun talking strategy and we'll definitely keep you guys updated throughout because you know it it'll, it'll be something that's worth following I think just because you know you got 20 very smart well 19 very smart people and myself so we can uh get different strategies going forward and different ways to evaluate all these players and it it'll, it's going to be really fun.
3: And what what we'll do is we'll definitely make sure we try to get every single person uh who's in this league on the podcast at some 100%. point. 100% yeah, to kind of talk about their strategy. Uh, Most um, of
1: already been on once or twice, at least. Yeah,
3: I'd say at least at least half, if not more of mm-hmm. the people have been on the podcast at least once. So um, but we'll definitely get everybody on to kind of kind of break down how they approach Dynasty Leagues, because, you know, Dynasty is a different animal. And just because I don't change my strategy doesn't mean you won't want to change yours, um, you know, based on how you're doing. Uh uh, doing a draft, so uh, it's a uh, it's a really interesting, especially with how deep it is. Twenty teams, forty man rosters. Uh, we keep thirty five players from year to year, so you're pretty much uh, you're keeping your virtually entire roster unless you this do something first draft crazy. Is yeah,
1: because so <laughs> you only throw five players back hypothetically. Well,
3: and if you bid a ton, like let's say you bid, you know, ten or fifteen keeper spots mm-hmm. on. you know pick one or two or something like that then you're in a position where you are drafting the majority of your teams after everybody else has drafted theirs yeah next season so you're pretty much punting the entire you know 2019 to try to win in 2018
1: and another like i guess a little added thing since it's 40 man rosters you keep 35 you pretty much have to bid at least five it doesn't make sense not to right
3: I, I would say so, but I mean, I think there will be, my guess is a third of the people don't don't bid anything. I think so,
1: because I mean, we, yeah, that's kind of, we look back at TGGX, and I apologize, I don't know the correct number, but a lot of teams didn't even bid.
3: Yeah, uh, so. I, I've got it up right now, so I could, I could find it pretty quick. Um, you There are, uh, let's see, there were 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 out of the 20 teams didn't bid anything. They just went. Yeah. They just went for the random draw.
1: But I, I expect it to be similar this time around. Mm-hmm.
3: And, and the most amount of uh, the most amount of keepers paid in that league were uh, two people paid fifteen keepers. Um, and you
1: know what's interesting with that is uh, I was talking to a couple guys in that league. Uh, that team obviously has Mike Trout. It's also had like three different orders since the league started. Because <laughs> they put some, such a hole, you know, and it's hard to. Yeah, it's a hard thing
3: of. to build yourself out of. So, yeah, <laughs> all right, let's move on and talk about the players that we've got kind of uh set up for uh uh for for this podcast. like I said, it's going to be uh prospect focused, but we're gonna talk about guys who should uh, have some sort of two thousand eighteen impact uh, and let's start out uh, with Francisco Mejia, who made his major league debut uh towards the end of two thousand and seventeen. Got uh 14 plate appearances, um batted 145, 214, one, uh 154, um but in Triple A or in Double A hit 14 home runs, stole seven bases, uh hit 297, 346, 490. What are your thoughts on Mejia coming into 2018? Uh, well
1: Mejia just wrapped up his season because uh, they sent him to the fall league. Uh, he didn't obviously play in the postseason for the Indians. So, but uh. Moved into the fall league, um, and he, he played there, but he did a lot of playing. He played second base and played some third base and caught a little bit out there. Um, so I guess you know, from the outside of it, you might look at that as like, oh, cool, it might get some pick up, some dual eligibility. But for me, I'm actually concerned uh, because once a catching prospects start kind of sniffing around in other positions, very rarely do they um, keep catcher eligibility long term. It just never really works out that way. Um, I like when he is bat. Uh, the catching skills are very good. The raw skills, like he's very good. The arm is one of the best in, in, in the minor leagues. Um, and the receiving skills, while they show promise, are a little bit rough. He, he needs He's like a piece of clay that needs to be molded. He, he's got the shape. He just needs the finer touches. Um, and the Indians are an organization that puts extreme value on catcher defense. Obviously, what they put up with Jan Gomes and Roberto Perez uh, tandem in the last couple of years and I they both struggled to hit over 200 really um, So they don't really um, Prioritize offensively f- for the catchers and Mejia would be the guy to do that uh, I, I think he's most famous for probably that 50 game hitting streak um, He was almost traded if you remember correctly too, for Jonathan Lucroy, but Lucroy vetoed that
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: So I mean they, they're obviously not completely sold on him. They almost traded him and then, uh you know, and then obviously they're moving him around and out of position would as a matter of fact, interesting wrinkle going into next season, not that he's a big player in redraft that you want to draft, but he's not even catcher eligible um he's he's gonna be utility only
3: well, uh, it depends on what site because most sites, if he didn't uh get yeah uh, didn't get twenty games or whatever the threshold is, will go we'll revert back to whatever. Uh, his, his original designation is. Some will, on the other hand, uh, give him whatever he had the most of, and uh, unfortunately that would be DH because he played two games at DH uh, and one game at catcher, um, and then the rest was either pinch hitters or pinch runner.
1: Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I just uh, think of me here. Like you said, the hit tools plus, um, but that's the only plus tool in the bag for us fantasy purposes. Uh, the power isn't going to be great. I think he probably tops out about 15, 17 homers. Uh, But I do think he needs to stick behind the plate to carry a lot of value because a bat like that playing second or third isn't all that special. Mm -hmm. And he's going to – it's not not a good thing in my eyes that he's messing around at these other positions uh, because it's kind of showing that the Indians – I don't want to say giving up on him as a catcher because obviously they're not doing that, but they are developing an escape route. You know what I'm saying? and
3: for me it, it puts them in a position where um like where does he play because catcher seems like one the easiest
0: okay round 2 name something that's not boring
2: a laundry
3: ooh a book club computer solitaire huh
0: ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. plus apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: And Roberto Perez. I mean, unless they're going to put him out in, in the outfield where you've got Michael Branton who's always hurt, or uh, Alani Chisenhall. I mean, thirds occupied. Kipnis is in the
1: outfield now, too. Yeah. Certainly.
3: But, I mean, that that's that was a mistake. And yeah, they, they learned that. Hopefully they learned that lesson um, watching him actually play out there because he was just absolutely atrocious out there. Um, so, I mean, and, and you have Bradley Zimmer who can play center. There's no reason to move Kipnis Uh, back out there so for me it's like the only real path to full-time playing time is behind the plate so to me it doesn't make a ton of sense that they're gonna mess around with him too much at other positions but they are uh, and it doesn't make a lot of sense for me in terms of fantasy um, in in a redraft league there's no way I'm touching him this year Uh, in in a dynasty or keeper league I'm probably staying away too because I've just never been uh, a, I'm not a catch-the-fast uh, guy, period. Yeah, I, I'm not either. And, you know, you and I have talked a lot about that. To me, it's like he's got the upside of J.T. Real Muto, which is great yeah, upside at catcher cool. and fantastic, but he's also got the downside of not being a catcher. And then he's, what, like, Melky Cabrera-esque? You know, it's like that's cop, not yeah. super interesting. But,
1: but I, I think... If he sticks at catcher, which I still think he does, but I, I just don't like this that they're messing with it. Uh, I still think he's ultimately what top six catcher. I mean, just because mm-hmm. the position is so bad.
2: Yeah. For but
1: sure. I mean, but he has to stick there and I like I said, I think he does, but it might not be in Cleveland. Ultimately I think he gets moved. But it'll probably be in two years when he's kinda of floated around as as a backup and you know, kinda of like the Cardinals are doing with Carson Kelly. You're not the type of player not the same type of player, but I think the value for Kelly will be diminished by the time he gets moved and, you know what I mean. So. Mm-hmm.
3: Let's uh, let's move on and talk about Victor Robles, another guy who was at Arizona Fall League. Um, had some, you know, played well in Arizona, but also had some disciplinary issues uh, where he didn't seem to be putting in a ton of effort and got benched and I think pulled from a start. Uh, you know, played at the major league level. Uh, didn't have any home runs or stolen bases at, at the majors, but did hit 250 in a in a really really short sample. Hit 324, 394, 489 with three home runs and 11 stolen bases at Double A. Uh, hit seven home runs and 16 stolen bases at uh, High A earlier in the le- uh, year too. So that's a, a 10 and 27 line uh, between two levels. What are your thoughts on Robles for next year?
1: uh i think not to pound this i found out his her name is actually it's pronounced robles oh is it yeah it's not Robles. as I, I thought it was it's victor robles um which is i guess fine but anyways i think you know i'm kind of bummed that the nationals decided they kept rolling out the corpse of jason worth toward the end of the season And i think it bit him in the playoffs uh because i think robles was is a type of player that because, you know, with Adam Eaton coming back, I think he you could stick him in left field and, and probably get slightly below average offensive production next year. But when you add in the defense and the speed, probably be slightly above average player next year. And the crazy part about that is he's only 20 years old. And But like I said, I don't think there's any reason to rush him. I think he starts in AAA. I think that's slammed down. He starts in AAA. Um, and he, he'll eventually make it up to Washington pretty quickly uh, because, you know, they got – probably Michael Taylor probably did enough to earn that left field job for now. And Harper, obviously, and Adam Eaton returning, uh, but also endangered, you know, cause with Harper potentially leaving, uh, Robles could be a potential trade chip for them to boost or something at the deadline. Cause they're probably going all in this year. You know what I'm saying? For the nationals. Mm-hmm. As and they should. So, yeah, as they should. And I think he, Robles might be a guy that they ended up moving for that. But I mean, he's looking at a guy here plus hit tool uh, above average speed. I don't want to call it plus because he doesn't really, I don't think he's going to translate it to the, the big stolen base totals that we need for fantasy, but I think he's still going to hover around 20, which in this day is pretty nice. But, you know, I think the plus stolen base totals are guys like Hamilton and D Gordon and all that. But, so he's going to do that, but he's going to hit for average power. I think eventually, uh, it won't be right away. Uh, I think he's a Starling Marte type. I think that's a decent comp to expect out of this guy. Um, He's extremely young, like I said. He, it's, you're in it for the long haul with Robles now. Good OBP. He's a little bit aggressive, but it's uh, you know he, he's a guy with controlled aggression aggression. He, he swings a good pitch. He's an intelligent hitter well beyond his years. Uh, he's a slam dunk top five prospect in the game for me. Uh, I think by, when I'm all said and done, I think he's going to be ranked uh, third for me behind uh, Acuna and uh, Vlad Guerrero. Um, so I think he's going to be number three. Uh, right up there, him and Eloy Jimenez, for me, are kind of a toss-up. I guess it's, I don't want to say roster construction because, you know, those two prospects like that. But I guess it depends on what flavor you like better, the speed contact guy or the or the monster power guy. But, I mean, Robles is a guy, like I said, uh, probably what? I bet you he gets about 300 plate appearances in the bigs this year. And uh, he's a guy who, as soon as he gets picked up, you got to go all in on him. And he, he's going to get drafted in redraft leagues, too, as he should. If you have a big enough league and can stash him, you should do it.
3: Yeah, I don't think I would take a shot on him in redraft leagues. I think I
1: wouldn't either cuz it's a dead run. I don't play in leagues that are deep enough like that to do that.
3: I I do, but uh I also uh you know, I mean, his playing time is completely dependent on uh Michael Taylor and how how well Taylor does and, you know, I mean, obviously Adam Eaton how mm-hmm. how healthy he is coming back, but everything I've seen from Eaton looks like he's uh, ready to go, uh, so I, I don't think Eaton's going to be an issue, but Michael Taylor uh, will be the kind of the deciding factor, and Taylor was very good last year, hit two seventy one, .320, 46 with 19 home runs and 17 stolen bases in 118 games, uh, and I mean, unless Taylor really regresses back to the guy he's been uh, in 2016 and 2015, uh, where he's hit, you know, below two, thirty five, then I don't see where Robles comes in and plays yeah. full time. And I think you're right. I think he could end up being a trade chip. And how much value does he lose going to a worse situation uh, in terms of the team around him? Because I think a lot of what will you know bust up Robles' value for this year. Uh, you know, in a, in a first full season at the majors or a f- first large season at the majors because it won't most likely be full, um, is the team around him. The amount of the the the, the counting categories he can rack up and runs in runs and RBIs on top of the stolen bases in a, in a few home runs because I don't think he's going to hit for a ton of power right away or anything like that. So I just don't see there's a ton of upside there for this season. I think long-term he's going to be a stud. I do agree he's a top, you know, five to seven prospect, in the game, but I don't – I'm not going to bank on him being great right away like a Bellinger or, or, or Hoskins or someone like that.
1: I do I do think it's extremely beneficial that Dusty Baker is no longer the manager there mm-hmm. uh, because I think Dusty, everyone knows, famously doesn't play rookies. And I think ultimately that might have been – I mean, you're talking about how close that Cubs-National Series was. It might have been the difference in the series if they played ro- Robles over Worth.
3: Well, if they had – had not batted Worth second for no apparent well, reason. That I mean, too, that, and, and that might Worth, have been the difference, too.
1: Worth is a statue in the outfield, and he had a lot of big at-bats where he came up. I'm not blaming the loss of the series on him, but I kind of, I guess I kind of am. He Go
2: ahead,
1: big you should. Big, big at-bats. And he, You know, he was striking out, not even making contact, not even moving the runners. But, I mean, it's interesting, too. We were talking about a little bit before the show about the steamer projections and stuff. Steamer projection for Ro- Robles falls right in line with what I kind of said earlier with a slightly below-average bat, but when you factor in everything else, um, it'll be an above-average contributor. 272, 324 OBP, 407 slug. They only have them penciled in for 140 plate appearances, but in those 140 plate appearances, they have three homers and six stolen bases. Which, so if, if you double that to 300,
3: uh, if yeah, you believe that's where he's going to get, is 6-12. and 12. How interesting is that, even in a fifteen-team league, or even in NL only, for the most part?
1: Well, if you, yeah, that, yeah, I mean, you're, you what you're saying is, 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 uh, is correct. I do think in NL only leagues, yeah, in NL only leagues, he's going to be kind of a poison pill because you're going to draft and hold him, but for what?
3: And you're going to have to hold him and, and not be accruing stats either from that spot or yep. have to hold, hold a hold a, a reserve spot. Uh, uh until he is actually playing and then he could be one of those guys that's worked in slowly you know that's yeah. not playing four or five times a week that you know starts off playing you know twice a week and pinch running here and or defensive replacement here uh but i, I just don't I, I don't see where i mean there obviously there's upside because he's got great tools but mm-hmm. i think the realistic ceiling for a guy like that this year is a 10 20 season and there are plenty of guys who can give you that.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I, I absorb. I'm not like a sponge. I, I read every single prospect thing I can find, and, you know, you put it all together and formulated opinions, and, you know, the, the fan, we're at Fangraphs that do the – I'm going to butcher the hell out of this. Eric the Logan, The in. The Mahalanobis comps mm-hmm. where they use Cato and actual war. You know, and for Ro- Robles, when he came up, it was an interesting guy to look at because a lot of the guys that come up, you don't recognize a lot of the names on that list. For this one, you got, you know, Ruben Mateo. Remember, he, he was a stud prospect coming up, didn't really pan out. He's the number one comp. Uh, go down, Andrew McCutcheon's on this list, Carlos Gomez, Carl Crawford. And that's the type of player this guy's going to be. Uh, so keep that in mind. I, I, I think McCutcheon's the absolute bullish result on the power. But I think other you, you knock the power down a, a touch, and I think I think he could be McCutcheon for a few years. And, yeah. and I think that's definitely a player. Obviously, he's owned in every, any dynasty format out there. And if he's not, like, he's going to be an interesting guy to see where he goes in our, in our league we're starting up this year.
3: He's going to be one of those guys that goes way too high. Yeah,
1: yeah. because he's not going to make much of an impact this season. You're right. but
3: I, I, I bet you he goes in the first two rounds. Oh, no way. Really? Top forty? When we did oh, the I forget Friends of Fantasy, get twenty teams, I forget it's yeah. 20... yeah. When we did yeah. the Friends of Fantasy Benefits Dynasty League, uh that I think it was drafted in like around this time in two thousand and fourteen.
1: Buxton. Uh, I took Bu- Buxton.
3: Yeah, Buxton went in what, the third round?
1: Yep, third round and a fifteen teamer, right?
3: Yeah. No, 20, it's a 20-teamer. twenty teamer. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so I mean I'd say I say he goes in the top fifty. He's going to go somewhere in the mid to early third round, and it and will it's not funny, be me.
1: It won't be me either that early either. And it's funny you see Buxton. You know, if that, you know, if I still owned him in that league, which I don't, I'd finally just be reaping the rewards now.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and that's the thing with prospects, and one of the reasons why, you know, I talk about the re- one of the reasons I go with the strategies I do for dynasty leagues is. Uh, you just don't know how long guys are going to take to develop. You know, our, our good buddy uh, Paul Sporer, uh, you know, screams about it all the time in the Sleeper in the Bus podcast. You know, prospect growth isn't linear. You, you're not going to be able to just project, well, by this time, this guy's going to do this. Or, oh, this guy did this in his first full season. You know, th- that's why, for me, the the insanity of the Reese Hoskins love um, is just insane because people are going, well, he, in 200 plate appearances, he had 18 home runs. So, I mean, this is a guy who could legitimately he's, hit 60 home runs. Triplet, it doesn't work like that. Like, <laughs> he's triplet. He's a guy called
1: mm-hmm,
3: You know, and so, like, be, people are going to – but people do it all the time. And prospect guys, smart guys in the industry will do it because, I mean, you know, Reese Hoskins had an ADP of around 35 in, in those mock drafts I put together this year. And that's insane.
1: That's industry people too. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's it's intelligent people who do this either for a living or on the side. Uh, you know, and our very own Chuck Anderson was one of them. You know, but it's insane to do that.
1: We talked about this earlier. I mean, Edwin Encarnacion or Reese Hoskins next year. We it, both said E five, and we were both in, in the minority in our Like, list and
3: it shouldn't be close. You know, I, I was talking about this exact thing uh, with Paul Martin earlier today. And I told him, I was like, at the end of the day, they both have around a similar ceiling, you know, but I feel pretty sure that E5 is going to get there. Oh, like,
1: you, he's one of those players you can write down in, in blood exactly. right now. What he's gonna do. And
3: yeah. like, what, what are you really projecting Hoskins for? Maybe, you know, at, at best, you're going to pro- you're not going to project him for more than 40 home runs. I mean, you're going to project him for a lower average more than likely on a worse team. Yep. Um, you know, so being like I don't understand it just ages him. That's why e five going behind him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about another top prospect. Uh, in a guy that is getting just a ton of helium. Uh, and that's Ronald Acuna. Uh, of the Braves. Uh, another guy who was at Arizona Fall League and hit very very well there. Uh, MVP
1: MVP of the Fall League.
3: And between. Uh, three levels this year. He had twenty one home runs, uh and yep. stole well God, what forty four bases? Forty four bases. Uh well,
1: twenty times though.
3: But I mean that's you know and he and here's the thing. Getting <clears throat> comps to Mike Trout. So Mike or sorry, Matt, uh, is this the next Mike Trout?
1: No. There's no next Mike Trout. It's impossible. But there's a certain prospect i'm not going to tell you who uh, you've probably already read it in one of my previews Mm -hmm. that has mike trout like tools that we'll get into later uh i think actually acuna uh, at his age makes more contact than mike trout did uh trout you know but strikeouts are whatever nowadays who cares but acuna right now for me man is 70 raw power which is near top of the scale keep in mind he hit in AAA, 221 at-bats, 344, 393, 548. Uh, he's 19, and he's going to be 19 until December, the end of the middle of December. Um, so the kid is amazing. Uh, everything he did this year, he, we kind of Mike and I p- were talking about him about a year and a half ago in, in the FWFP prospect pods, and we were aggressive on him a little bit, and but we were nowhere near this, and I don't think anybody was. But uh, he's the clear-cut consensus top prospect in the game right now. I don't, there's no ar- argument for anyone else over him. Uh, I think me and you differ on this. I think, I think he's up in the first two weeks of the season. I think they do it kind of like Chris Bryant the Cubs. I think that's how the Braves handle this because I think the Braves see a wild card window now, especially with Anthopolis coming, coming on the scene. Uh, they're going to have to go for it because the fan base, they're, they're about to lose – uh, a big-name international prospect or two. Where they kind of looked embarrassed with the, with the way the front office was, from the top down, pretty much caught cheating, which is a – every team does it, but they just happen to get caught. And, uh, you know, so I think the Braves are going to kind of put the pedal down. I wouldn't be surprised if they sign signed a free agent or two this, this offseason and uh, pencil Acuna into the starting right field or left field job, depending on who they can get rid of, Marcus or Kemp, and uh, let him go. And I think he's – he's going to be the odds on favorite for the rookie of the year and everything like that. And as he should be, but I, I think he's got 2020 upside right out of the gate.
3: And I, and I don't disagree if he gets one of those jobs that quickly that he doesn't have a huge upside. And, uh, you know, I, I was just part of a, a magazine mock, um, and, and spoiler alert. Uh, those, uh, those of you who, who buy magazines, um, there is a uh, uh, there's a reason why a lot of the comments sometimes can be a little bit vague, because we do these mock drafts for these magazines uh, before the turn of the new year. Um, I, I just like I said, I just did it, um, and uh, and I took Acuna, um, but I got him at pick like 180 something. Oh cow!
1: Um, I just did a mock draft now with uh, Ralph Lifschitz. i couch managers with a bunch of guys, and his you know his prospect in dynasty leagues and stuff he's he's going off the board about pick 100.
3: Yeah, and see that's insane to me because I don't think there's any way. I know you think he comes up really early. I don't see why the Braves would would start his clock like that. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh he's extremely young. Uh they there aren't a team that is going to be competing this year. Uh I know I I know he is uh an advanced hitter. Um, And he he dominated uh, in his short stint in AAA. But I I would guess they keep him, you know, down until at least Memorial Day. Um, And I still think he could have a huge impact rest of the way from, you know, beginning of June on uh, Mm -hmm. and, and do a 2020 type season in, you know, in three or four months. But I just don't I don't buy that you're going to you're going to be getting him two or three weeks into the season for your fantasy teams. Um, that being said, the upside is so great, and the, the approach uh, in the bat is so polished and, and major league ready at this point that uh, he's worth he's worth the, the chance on, um, you know, if you can get him outside of the top 150. Um, I'm not going to pay a top 100 price on him. I think you need him, especially in deeper formats, fifteen team formats, things like that, you need someone to produce right away if you're taking him in the top one hundred, unless they're gonna turn out to be a judge or a Bellinger. Um uh and I just I, I just don't necessarily I'm not We're going to, I'm not gonna bet ADP, on that.
1: Judge's ADP was well over three hundred this year and so was mm-hmm. Bellinger's. So yeah. Um
3: mean. and I mean and rightfully so. But that's I mean that's how you win leagues right there is you get those guys, you know, that you didn't have to pay anything for to produce, like, you know, first, second, third-round values. There there just isn't enough profit to be made considering there is a realistic chance. I mean, like, do I think it's going to happen? No, but would it be 100% shocking if the Braves just said, we're going to keep him down till September? There's no reason to bring him up. He's only 19 years old. He's going to be 20 by the start I, of the season.
1: I, I think that could happen if they have an absolutely disastrous first two weeks.
3: Sure, I mean, and there's, there's no reason to think that
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: This team is going to be any good. I think they're going to try to be. Uh, You Uh, know, and I would love to see them do that. But, I mean, you're still talking about a team that is employing Nick Marcakis, Tyler Flowers. I don't even know who this third baseman is that they've got.
1: Adonis Garcia. No, uh, no, hey, of
3: yeah, Carmargo. Like I have no so idea who that guy is. guy
1: that utility guy that flashed a little bit this year. Uh, he's not a true talent starting this third baseman, that's for sure. I so, think they up there somewhere though. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a run at Moustakis. um I wouldn't be surprised if they got involved in a Josh Donaldson trade.
3: Yeah, but the it's Antopolis also a team that's got and, a very you know, shaky rotation. You know. Uh, you know, what is Sean Newcomb going to be? Must also been
1: rumored to be with Jake Arrieta. So, I mean, they're, they're kind of floated around in a lot of things.
3: So, um, I just, I don't think it's a team that's going to be competing this year. I think it's a team that's going to be, you know, probably start competing in 2019. Uh, and I think there's no real reason for them to bring Akuna up really at all, uh, much less in the first two weeks of the season. I think, like I said, at the earliest, he's looking at a Memorial Day call up. Uh, you know, get get more service time, or, or you know, uh, for him, uh, and uh, and save some money in the long term, uh, you know, and so for me, yeah, take take the shot on him after pick 150, but I'm not I'm not taking him in the top hundred, and that's where he's gonna go in a lot of leagues. We saw, uh, if you followed any of the drafts, um, in uh, I'm trying to find your in I'm AFL,
1: I'm trying to find your your the Truly, Max. What was around pick 180p? I'm trying to find
3: um,
1: what outfielders were going around there. Um, you uh, know what, uh,
3: give, give me a sec and I will. Uh, I will bring it up for you. Because uh, I think that's
1: interesting to debate. You know, who would you rather have between those guys? Because I saw him going about pick 100, 110 in that range. So I want right. to see.
3: So, uh, would you rather have Acuna or Kevin Kiermeyer? Who is at an ADP of one twenty nine and a half?
1: See, yeah, I think I'd rather. I think I'd roll the dice and go with Acuna because I don't trust Kiermaier to stay healthy.
3: Okay, would you rather have uh, Acuna or uh, Ian Desmond? I
1: will roll the dice and go Acuna.
3: Hmm. See, I'm I'm gonna take Desmond there, and I think I'm gonna take Kiermaier too. Uh, would you rather have Ian Happ or Acuna?
1: I'm a big Ian Hap guy. I just don't see where he plays. I got to go Acuna.
3: I think that's a spot where I'd probably go Hap, but I can see the argument. I mean, um, and Acuna had a, a, an ADP of 142 uh, in, in those mock drafts. Yeah. So let's... Uh, Bradley Zimmer or Acuna? My boy, Bradley Zimmer.
1: Uh, See, I'm going Zimmer on that just because mm-hmm. I think the stolen base upside is elite.
3: Yep. I'm with you there. All right. Last one. I'm going to go, I'm going to go higher. Uh, would you rather have, Oh, my boy, Michael Conforto.
1: I really, really love what Conforto did last year. Um, I'm going to have to go Conforto, but that, that's like making me pick between two of my kids. So yeah,
3: no, me too. But, uh, (laughs) it's, it's Conforto for me as well. So, um, you know, I mean, if you can get, like I said, if you can get him after 150, I feel really good about it. If you're get, if you're, if you're getting him in the top hundred, I'm, I'm not feeling great about that. At I, all. I
1: think, I think a good way. To, I agree with you with what you're saying. I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off. No, man. go ahead. I, I think a good expectation for Acuna as soon as he gets called up is to prorate Lorenzo Cain's stats for okay. this year. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, and I think that. I think that would be a really good comp. It just for me it's a matter of I think
1: ultimately he's got more power long term but he's only 19. So for the rest of this year you got to pro prorate where Lorenzo Cain is and kind of you know go from there.
3: And I mean it, to me or at the end of the day it all it all comes down to when you think he's being called up. If you you know buy what uh you know what Matt is saying in terms of he thinks he's going to be up early, Ralph Liffshit's another guy on uh on the bandwagon of he's going to be yep. on, you know up early James Anderson uh from Rotor Wire same way. Um but, you know, th- then go ahead and pull the trigger, you know? Um go get your guy and, and hope for the best. For me, I play it a little bit safer. Uh I'm going to take the guaranteed production from some of those other guys uh and 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 take the chance that the Braves say we don't need. We're not going to win right now, so let's not worry about, you know, starting his service clock uh, and and let's hold him down for a little while longer, uh, you know. Especially if they have trouble moving guys like Markakis and Kemp, because you know I don't think the market's going to be very flush for those guys either.
1: No, I could see Matt Kemp ending up, up in San Francisco after Stanton goes to St. Louis. So. <laughs> don't say that. No, but no, no. Like on a serious note, like. Back to Lorenzo Kane. Where's Lorenzo Kane's ADP? If you still have that
2: open.
3: Oh, that's uh, that's going to be much higher. Kane yeah, No, I know that.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying. Uh,
3: that's that's
1: t- basically based on ability. 88 where
3: I and of- a half.
1: Okay, so in a 12-team league, that is what? Round? Seven. Seven? I think seven that's perfect. Eight, yeah. for, that's kind of where uh, like Yohan Moncada went going into this season.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: This past season. I think there there's similar values there, and obviously that didn't work out for Moncada owners just because it took so long for them to come up. Uh, but I think this is different. But I think that's the type of talent you're looking at is uh, Lorenzo Cain. Well, I think
3: that's a really good point to bring up, though, because you know I took Moncada in our in our FWFB staff league, and I got nothing out of him. Now I got him super late, like I got him after pick 200, and so yeah. that that pain wasn't felt as harshly as it would have been had I taken him in the top 100. Um, and, and that that's the risk-reward factor you're going with. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, we saw this, uh, you know, a few years ago when Correa came up and was just so fantastic, you know, in his short sample uh, size when he first came up, that everybody went not only kind of uh, gaga over him, but also went gaga over a ton of other prospects who hadn't yet made it to the show the next year and there were people who were really disappointed cuz they're like oh man what, this this random prospect didn't hit or didn't pitch well right away and i think we tend to forget that not all these guys hit or you know or are fantastic yeah. right away sometimes it takes them some time to figure things out you know and you know like
1: Trout stunk it up his first go around
3: mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, like you said, Byron Buxton, you know, you drafted him in 2014 and he's just now starting to pay off, um, you know, Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks was supposed to be like the Byron Buxton of his time, and he's now just starting to pay off like seven years later. So, I mean, you (laughs) know, Mike Moustakis was, you know, a a top-tier prospect. It took Uh him a long time to kind of figure things out. And, you know, and so – you know, for every guy that is, you know, straight fire uh, right away, there's three or four guys that take a long time to figure it out, and a lot of them never figure it out. You know, uh, Appel was just DFA'd earlier today.
1: Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah.
3: Uh, let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk about your boy, Alex Reyes, uh, who is going to be pitching in the major leagues at some point uh, this year. He's going to start off in the bullpen. The question becomes, where would you take him in drafts?
1: See, I think a guy with his kind of big name, I don't think there's going to be a discount at the draft table. So I probably won't end up with him in a lot of places this year. But I also could see it going the other way. I could also see where he's discounted so far, just because he's not going to start right away. Um, but the Cardinals do this a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. if you remember uh, Adam Wainwright, Matt, Matt Morris back in the day when he came back from Tommy John, Adam Wainwright was the closer in a World Series team. I hate – the biggest pet peeve ever, too, is when you get dipshit announcers on the – still talk about Adam Wainwright as a former closer. No. <laughs> he was a starting pitcher his whole – you know what I mean? Up until that point. And then, you know, Carlos Martinez is the prime example of this as well. They left Martinez in the bullpen for a couple of years, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Reyes has a rotation spot waiting for him when he when he gets back. But ultimately, too, the, the thing to watch here, he, he's probably not going to be, you know, with the team until at least the beginning of May. Um, and Then they're going to put him in the bullpen. So then after he gets in the bullpen for, what, a month or so, they're going to have to send him back down again if they're going to want him to start, to stretch him back out. So it, it's kind of, it might be a lost season from the fantasy standpoint for Reyes, but he's, he's, the upside is so high. And I think in the land of like Chris Davinsky's and yeah. stuff like that, you're going to be enticed to take a shot on Reyes. But I don't see the Cardinals letting him work multiple innings more than twice a week just because he's coming back from Tommy John. He's not going to be as rubber armed as Davinsky, where he's going to be, Davinsky pretty much is a start and a half a week. Mm hmm of ridiculous premium value. I don't think you're going to get that from Reyes because like I said, they're going to be extra cautious with them. I mean, he's 23. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Um, obviously with the health concerns and everything that's assuming he bounces back fine, which there's no guarantee either, but he's, uh, on schedule. He's already throwing not off a mound yet, but I know he's, he's, he's playing catch and everything. He actually, actually, I, I take that back. He he, had, he did throw a bullpen session a couple uh, weeks ago, actually. So he's he's going to be up. It should be uh, pretty much a normal spring training. But they're telling him that he's going to be down right away. To kinda, you know, no matter how good or bad you do, this is the plan. Stick to it. The Cardinals will 100% stick to that plan. There will be no deviation. Um, they want to keep him away from Mike. I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, he's a guy... I love him long-term, and plus he might end up in Miami if if the stand stuff gets way out of control, which I don't think he will because I don't think with that much money involved, you have to give up a Reyes. He's still the top pitching prospect in the game for me. Uh, It's close to him and Kopech, but for this year, I think I'd still rather have Reyes over Kopech, but they're close.
3: Yeah, I think think I'd rather – ooh, that's hard.
1: Because Kopech, I think, with the White Sox being in a position, I don't think he comes up till September. There's no reason for that.
3: Yeah, I think there's a chance he could come up earlier, but I think you're right. I think there is there. I think there is a downside that they they may just decide, yeah, let let's not even you know because they're definitely not competing. No, like, there's heck. no illusions that you know of you know like the Braves that hey maybe the Braves you know start out hot and go let, let let's try and see if we can get all hands on deck and you know, make the playoffs this early in a rebuild. Um, th- there's no illusion for that for the White Sox. So, no. um, you know, they may decide that Kopech, you know, can just stay in the minor leagues and continue to work on his command um, uh, a- a- in the minor leagues while not having to start the service clock. Uh, I think that Kopech's upside is just so much greater because I think on top of the concerns about uh, – about Reyes starting off in the bullpen and then probably like you mentioned having to go back down at some point um to get stretched out as a starter uh in that you know and then getting come back I mean there's going to obviously be a limited workload you know in terms of total innings and so if you're blowing some of that in the minor leagues and some of that uh, you know in the at the major leagues as uh, you know a reliever i think that you're you're blowing a lot of your your ceiling capital uh for a guy like Reyes i love him long term and i think he is kind of an unappreciated asset in terms of dynasty leagues right now because he's coming Agreed. off of the injury yeah. so he is a guy I'd go out and buy especially if i'm not looking to compete next year but uh in terms of my 2018 like redraft ranks he's not going to be in my top 200 and it's just I think there's just too much. There, there isn't enough ceiling, you know, uh, capital for for the investment. You know, um, if I'm going to go for an upside pick, give me a guy like like you mentioned, like Kopech, um, like a Walker Bueller or someone like that uh, that I think could at some point crack the rotation if things go right or if things go wrong for a team and they're just forced into it. Um, and, uh, and, and just be excellent right away. So, uh, lo- like I said, love Re- Reyes long-term, short-term, not buying it.
1: And like you said, uh, and the Cardinals are a team that have plenty of options also. Mm-hmm. I mean, there might be some. They're going to make a trade this offseason for somebody, so they're going to lose some of these guys. But you look, talking about Reyes, talk about Jack Flaherty, who was up last year, didn't, didn't impress, but, I mean, it's his debut, so you take it for what it's worth there.
3: Luke Weaver uh, looked great. Luke they're, Weaver looked they're, great. They're not going to kick Adam Wainwright out of the rotation.
1: I wish they would. Um, Michael
3: Walker showed flashes of the player yeah, he once obviously was.
1: Obviously, Carlos Martinez is a frontline line guy. Um, Sandy Alcantara is a nice upside guy. I think he's going to pitch out of the bullpen this year, but he's a guy that could start. Uh, Dakota Hudson's a nice starter too that could get some innings. They have they're so deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of those names might might sound all that exciting at the end, but they. Could if you're talking about it in two or three years? You have, you might have an overflowing rotation of, you know, guys with number three upside.
3: And there's no uh, reason to think that maybe they're not in on a, you know, re-signing Lance Lynn. You know, I know he's a free uh, agent. He's,
2: gonna...
1: uh, he's gone. Oh, uh, you think so? 100 percent. Yeah, they're not even. Uh, Lance Lynn is Lance Lynn is one of my favorite players because you, you do interviews. Well, you know, I don't do, but you watch interviews with with him, and he's the guy that'll tell you exactly how it is. He was asked numerous times, you know, how are negotiations with the Cardinals going? And he was kind of, what negotiations? They, don't even, they haven't even offered me a contract. Like, he blatantly comes out and says it like it is. And I'm going to miss that guy because he's hilarious. But, you know, but but he's, he's going to be gone. And uh, I think he's kind of underappreciated in his own right because besides Tommy John surgery, which wiped out a season, I mean, he doesn't really miss a start besides that. So... Yeah. He's a horse. Uh, the number the peripheral numbers for him, scream to run the other way. So it's probably the right baseball move to let him go. But I still think he's dependable, and they're going to miss somebody like that because right now they have a lot of talent, but they're questionable talent with the rotation. So,
2: yep.
1: but uh, you know, and they're also in the market for a big bat. Donaldson's name's floated out there. Obviously, I don't, Stanton's out there. At any bat, you name it, they have the assets, whether financially or prospects, to pony up and pay the price. So you know, they multitude of directions for this team.
3: All right, yeah. let's, uh, let's move on and talk about somebody else. Uh, let's talk about Scott Kingery because he is a guy that people are really, really excited about should start the year uh, either up with the, uh, the major league club or, or up shortly, cool. uh, you know, within a few weeks of the start of the season um, between uh triple a double Uh, hit 26 home runs and stole 29 bases uh, with a, with a 300 plus average over that time. What are your thoughts on Kingry for this year?
1: I'm a fan. I think he's got a plus hit tool. Uh, He he knows how to use it, uses it all fields. I think the power power is going to be probably the average, uh, but he's got to also supplements that by uh, plus. He's got plus speed for the position as well. I think he's got, Maybe a, maybe a 2020 season or two in the bag. Uh, he's not going to settle into that long term, obviously, but I think he might be able to do that his third or fourth years in the major leagues or something like that. But he's a good defender. He's going to stick. And he's the kind of guy, man, never count this dude out. He was a walk-on at University of Arizona uh, up until 2016. Uh, and his, his whole college career, he had six home runs. Uh, in his 2016 season in the minor leagues, he only had five home runs. Uh, and then last year he had 26. Uh, he he really studied up, uh, bought into the the line. The, he calls it the line drive revolution because he doesn't try to hit the ball in the air. He says he just try to hit or doesn't try to hit fly balls. He just tries to hit line drives, and he was he must have had the right mojo going because they all carried out of the yard for him this year. He was in Double A Reading, you know, it's a it's a pretty friendly ballpark, but he went to Triple A uh, Lehigh Valley, which is more neutral, and he still. Ripped it up over there. Is cumulative minor league season 304, 359, 530, with 26 homers and 29 stolen bases. Uh, Philadelphia with you know J.P. Crawford kind of forcing his way up in the middle. Um, Mike Calfranco kind of you know the organization seems a little bit down on him. They love Freddie Galvis. They still have Cesar Hernandez, so it might be a little crowded. I I do expect you know one of the Galvis or Hernandez. Maybe they get moved to Boston to fill in for Pedroia with him with him being out. I think there's a move to be made there, and I think Kingery, they, they, he was starting to get some work at third base uh, toward the end of the year. So he maybe he didn't appear in any games there, but there was a lot of footage of him, you know, in Triple in A taking ground balls at third base. Uh, him and JP Crawford. Crawford ended up playing there when he got called up. Uh, but I think Kingery is a last round flyer for me in redraft league because I think he's so under the radar right now, and I think. You can you can get some significant bang for your buck here because when he's up, he's going to play. He's going to hit near the top of the order, and he potentially could hit in front of a guy like Reese Hoskins, who you know you saw what he did last year. He's not going to repeat that, but he's going to be prime for a lot of RBIs, a lot of runs scored.
3: Yeah, I'm completely with completely with you in all regards. I think this is like the perfect kind of type of prospect I like to invest in in, in a. Uh, in a redraft league because there is no cost associated with him. I don't know if he even went in any of the mock drafts that I did. Uh, And I mean, we did, you know, I think 300 plus picks for each of those drafts. So, I mean, there's no cost associated with him. And I think he could come up fairly early and have a big impact because, you know, don't get me wrong. You said a lot of names, but there's no one really stopping him from taking over second base. Oh,
1: no, they, they like, uh, it was weird how they handled it because, you know, everyone knows J.P. Crawford. Uh, he's a good prospect in his own right. Uh, but, but not he's the even...
3: fantasy prospect that I think no. some people thought he would turn into.
1: No, he's a, he's a plus defensive shortstop. So where did the Phillies play him this third year? Base. And where is he eligible only at this year?
3: <laughs> oh, that's right. I didn't think about it. He doesn't that.
1: even have shortstop eligibility. He has third base. He's going to get shortstop eventually. Yeah,
3: he'll but... get it. But even as a shortstop, he doesn't have a huge fantasy ceiling because – he he's never stolen the bases that people thought he would uh no. he hasn't hit consistently for a great average um and so i think uh Crawford's one of those guys that first you know first year after the draft people were ranking him as like a top twenty uh prospect because you know sometimes you know fantasy prospect guys confuse real life uh prospect ratings with uh with fantasy. And not baking in the fact that defense, while it matters some and I think it matters more than maybe people give credit for um, it doesn't there, there's no counting category for for defense
1: you know who this cop sounds crazy now because we've seen how i mean this this player I'm going to compare him to is only twenty five in his own right plays the same well eventually the same future position, but I think j P. Crawford could be like Xander Bogarts mm. if if everything breaks right. And you're talking I'm talking more like 2017 with the 270 average the 10 homers and 15 steals like yeah any, and I think I think that I, I think
3: Bogarts has an offensive upside that uh, that Crawford doesn't possess
1: absolutely 100 percent correct on that but I think it's within the realm of possibility and I think I, I think you're right on that when you say it doesn't have the upside but I think he's got the floor.
3: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. That's All cool. right, let's. Uh, I want to talk about two more guys before we wrap up. So I'm gonna jump around. Uh, you know, maybe skip some guys. We'll we'll move some of these guys over to next week. Um, and and talk about them more in depth. But uh, to me, an interesting guy is uh, is Lewis Brinson because Brinson was one of the top prospects in the game. Uh, came up, struggled, uh, and and was was sent back down. Uh, for Milwaukee, as Milwaukee tried to compete for a playoff spot and fell just short, um, I feel like he is a forgotten man in terms of leagues right now, and I think this is a really interesting buying opportunity. What are your thoughts on Lewis Brinson?
1: I love Brinson. A few, I was probably the high man that I saw on Brinson as as his call up time. I had him as the as a top five prospect in the game, which I think is a tad higher than everyone else had him. Uh, A little disappointed in the early results. 17 strikeouts and 47 at-bats. 54 plate appearances he struck out 17 times. Um, Still flashed that power-speed combination. I still think he needs a Ryan Braun trade. Mm -hmm. And I think with the Brewers kind of being fake contenders last year, I think... Yeah, that's right, Chuck. I said that. Fake contenders. (laughs) I, I think... I think it's going to push Brinson down a little bit in the realm because I, I, I think they hold on to Braun now, and it, it, I think it, it makes the the long the short term vision for Brinson a lot more cloudy. But I do love him long term. I think he's one of the most explosive athletes. I gave him a while back. I I want to be careful how I word this. I a while back with about Brinson, I said he had Mike Trout level tools because he does. He's, he's one of the most tool-up prospects in the game. Obviously, he's not going to be Mike Trout because there isn't one. But I also think the Brewers kind of need to, if they're not going to hand him the center field job over Keon Broxton, because Broxton's a good defensive player, Broxton's a good player, you have to keep him in the major leagues, let him be a fourth outfielder because there is no reason to send him to Colorado Springs again.
3: And let him because Ash there.
1: Yeah, and one of the big concerns with Brinson is his plate approach. He's the improvement he's shown in this category. is S is ridiculous throughout his career so far to this point. But if you're going to put him in an environment where anytime you hit the ball, it's going to fly, how is that going to help you be more selective? It's not. It's a bad environment for a guy with his. I mean, look at his numbers: three eighty two, three eighty seven, six eighteen in twenty three games, one walk. And then you look at twenty seventeen. 331, 400, 569. It was a little bit better, uh, 32 walks. But as you can tell by that stat line, he has no reason to be in that league, in that park. There's none. Uh, it's it's going to hurt his development. So he needs either, you know, because Domingo Santana I think is one of the most underrated players in the game in right field. He's not going anywhere. Uh, Ryan Braun obviously is the guy that they should move, but I don't really think they're going to take a loss on that. And plus, like I said, they're kind of, borderline contenders again this year so that how are you going to justify moving your number three hitter and then you know keon broxton who's a plus defensive center fielder with some pop you know maybe maybe uh, broxton becomes the fourth outfielder and you start brinson in center but you got, you got a little bit of a log jam there and you got four pretty decent pl- four pretty good players i don't know what they're gonna do and you got brett phillips around too mm-hmm. if you're gonna if you're gonna keep Brett Phillips up, he's the more, you know, the better prototypical fourth outfielder because he can play all around. You kind of want to let Brinson play every day because a guy with him, like Brinson with his approach and plate, plate skills, is going to be prone to the ups and downs. He's going to slump a lot because he swings and misses so much. And a guy like that used to play every day. So it's kind of rocking a hard place here.
3: I, th- I think this situation is begging for a trade and it's either going to be uh, they trade Brinson or they trade Braun and, you know, maybe they could try to package mm-hmm. Braun for, you know, uh, a starting pitcher um, to come in. Yeah. I know they've been linked to Arietta, but I just, like I don't wondering. see
1: the Brewers paying that freight.
3: And and I don't see a guy like Arietta wanting to go to a place like Milwaukee, which ratchets up your home runs. And that was the one kind of uh, yeah. speed bump for, for Arietta last year Uh was his home runs went kind of up through the roof a little bit. So why would he go to a place that is going to make that worse? Um, You know, when he could go to, uh, you know, another team who's going to offer around the same amount of money uh, and he has a chance for another contract, you know, four years down the road.
1: Yeah, he's a tough player to peg for his destination too, by the way, Arietta, But, I mean, yeah, Brinson, I, I think, and the thing with trading, with making a trade, is you're not going to trade Brinson because right now you'd be selling it low. Mm-hmm. And it, the whole situation is—it's not nothing the Brewers did because I mean they were going for it as much as they could. But you know, what do you what do you do with Brinson now? Like I said, sending him a AAA for me is pointless.
3: Yeah, I mean he would be—I—I—I I, I would think you know—and like I'm just going to throw this as a hypothetical because it's just something that comes off the mind. The Giants have been strongly tied to Ryan Braun rumors in the past. They're in desperate need of a left fielder. I
1: can see that. If they don't get Stanton, yeah.
3: You know, do the Giants, you know, say, you know, we can afford to trade Samarja straight up for Ryan Braun or, or, you know. That trade actually
1: makes sense. But then again, if you're trading for Braun, you're not going to trade Samarja because you need the pitching.
3: Yeah, I mean, and I'm just – Throwing yeah, random, sure. random stuff at the wall, you. I don't, yeah. and I don't think I'm pretty sure Samarja has a no-trade clause, um, and I, I doubt he would agree to that uh, as well. So, um, but I just you know, something like uh, of that ilk, you know, a team looking least, for an outfielder that maybe is a little pitching rich.
1: It would be the first time in team history though the Giants had a left fielder on PEDs though. So
3: yeah, no, I mean it's it's. Thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> um, let's. Uh, uh, I- I'm right there with you on Brinson. I think Brinson is a guy you go out and get right now because uh, the value is way too low. And I think, like I said, people are overlooking him. He will be a guy I invest in in some deeper mixed uh, 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 leagues uh, and, and maybe even in an NL only as a guy I can reserve. Uh, and just, you know, the, the ceiling is sky high. Uh, also,
1: study up on Domingo Santana. I think everyone's missing the boat on him.
3: I don't think people are missing the boat. I mean, his his, uh, his ADP was uh let's see 82nd overall. Oh, okay. So, I I think people are on board and I'm one of them. Uh, yeah, I love- so, but yeah, I, I don't think uh I, I don't think people are going to be sleeping on him very much. Uh let's finish out with uh with Torres cuz Torres is a guy Again, a polarizing a player coming off of a serious injury, um, supposedly going to challenge for the opening day third base job. I doubt he gets it right away. He won't um, get it. Um, but I mean, he is Cashman said they're they're going to let him challenge for it in spring training, which means they're expecting him to be healthy heading into that uh, into next season. A lot of people think that this guy is a top ten prospect. Are you one of them?
1: Uh, for fantasy, I think I have him 12th. I don't have my, you know, I'm, I'm kind of rebuilding my rankings as I go because I'm writing up all these prospects for each team right now. Uh, I haven't got to the Yankees yet. I'm doing it by draft order. But for me, Torres is an overrated fantasy at prospect. Um, and I say that because he's more Dansby Swanson than he is Ronald Acuna. Mm-hmm. And I that's not a slight on him. I just think where's the standout tool, and I think I've learned a lot in how I evaluate players like that. Um, because if you don't have a standout tool, um, you're—I don't want to say—don't have much fantasy value. But I'll give me the standout tool over anything else.
3: One well, I think one of the problems too is he's not going to be a shortstop.
1: No, not not with them. Didi Gregorius is fantastic uh Starlin castro even at second base they don't really have a reason to replace him either and Castro's crazy young by the way i think he's like 27 it feels like he's been around for 10 years um but uh glaber torres I, I think and a lot of this too is the yankees are trying to stay underneath that luxury tax so i think i think they're willing to give him you know a he, he'll come up kind of on the same time when I was talking about with Acuna, if he can prove he's healthy for a couple weeks uh, and push Chase Headley. And he'll be the kind of roving utility infielder for them. Cause remember last year they were kind of messing with him at second base and third base as well as shortstop before he went, got hurt. Uh, he, so he's got experience playing all those spots. It was his non throwing elbow as well. So I'm not really concerned uh, with his being able to come back or not. Cause he, he should be fine but I think he was a little bit overrated to begin with. Uh, I ultimately I think he's a guy that's going to hit fif- 15 homers and probably 8 to 10 stolen bases right out of the, you know, first couple years. Eventually he can probably he can maybe evolve into a 25 homer guy, but I'm not betting on that. Uh, because number one in, in with the Yankees if he's a 25 homer third baseman, I mean, put him in a pile with the other third baseman, right?
3: Well, There's I mean, so many, I think I think yeah. if he can steal double-digit bases or even fifteen bags, but I here, don't think he will
1: as soon as he fills out to twenty-five homer guy, I think I he's going to he lose could. that speed.
3: Um, I I just don't think he is. You like you said, if he stays with the Yankees, it means he's not playing shortstop. They're loaded in the outfield, so he's not playing the outfield either. Yeah. Um, and so at third, he becomes a lot less sexy proposition. Hundred um, percent. And so to me, I think right now is the time to sell on Gleber Torres, I think, uh, especially – or some somewhere in his first year because uh, he's going to I sold to have, him last
1: year before he got hurt.
3: Yeah, well, but he's going to have shortstop eligibility coming into this season because mm-hmm. all sites will kind of just grant him where he's been playing, but he's going to lose that in year two um, because, you know, I mean, unless he somehow gets 20 games at, at short, which I just don't know if it'll happen, um, more than likely he's going to lose shortstop eligibility – uh, and then he loses a ton of value. So I think 2018, whether it's pr- before the start of the season or somewhere in the season, is the time to move him uh, for you know as part of a bigger deal to upgrade somewhere else. Um, and I just to me the, there isn't enough upside. I think he's going to be a really good real life player,
1: 100%. Yeah. Um,
3: and in OBP leagues, he's really really sexy because you know he he's been walking you know double digit rates. Uh, And it's gotten better and better each year the last three or the last uh, two seasons or three seasons. So um, I think that uh, there's a lot to like, but I just think his value is capped at where he's going to be playing, unless for some reason they decide to move him.
1: Yeah, I don't think they they will. Yeah, I think a good way to look at this is I think I think this year it's it's up in the air. Ultimately, I think this year he'll finish you know, probably top 20 of whatever second or third base, whatever he's at, I think the year after that, he can probably bump him up to probably the bottom half of the top 15. Say he's at third base, bottom, about the 15th overall third baseman. And, like, you know, talking about for the 2019. And then maybe after that, if he moves to second base or third base, I think ultimately he could eventually put up, maybe top five at the position kind of seasons, but you're talking three, four five years down the road.
3: I mean, the only issue that with even that becomes, you know, I mean, 2019 is going to be a really interesting year in terms of free agents.
1: Uh, Yeah, there's a certain guy with uh, Manny Machado that might end up in New
2: York. Yeah, oh.
3: and so, I mean, if, you know, if for some reason the Yankees decide, okay, we've cut payroll these last couple years, you know, maybe they, you know, they take a step back because no one expected them to be, um, you know, where they were uh, this last year. You know, they'll have uh, Chase Headley's 13 million coming off the books. Um, They're going to have, you know, a number of other guys who've come off the books. Um, And they go, okay, we can get back to old Yankee baseball um, uh, and we can start, uh, you know, the, 2018 is the first year they're not paying Alex Rodriguez anymore. You know, and that, that's <laughs> 22 million or $21 million, uh, yep. you know, that is come off, you know, and maybe that's when they start going, okay, now's the time we can start, you know, being our old Yankee selves and paying some of these guys. We're going to go out and get Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, Um, you know, because they've already gone out and, and you know, yeah. got Otani and, you know, or whoever it is, uh, you know. And if they do
0: that
1: they're going to need guys like Torres around to offset the high cost because Torres will be making league minimum for five years.
3: Or they say we're going to trade him for, you know, the pieces we haven't been able to get through free agency.
1: Yeah. Hypothetical trade out there right now. Who says no if the Yankees, you know, come to the Marlins with the package centered around Gleyber Torres for Marcelo Suna. Who says no?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think the Yankees don't do it just because they're, like I said, they're loaded in the they're outfield. They're
1: prepping for, yeah. But I mean,
3: you yeah, know. I, mean, I The most surprising thing for me is that the Yankees have not really been you know, talked about as players for Stanton. You know, a they're team. trying to stay
1: under the luxury tax, and that big money will push them over. Same for the Dodgers, and that's kind of why the Red Sox are hedging their bets right now, because they don't want to go over the tax either.
3: Yeah, but they've it's got good. the prospects to have the Marlins pay some of that.
1: The Yankees do, yes. Yeah,
3: the Yankees do. Well, and the Dodgers do, too.
1: Dodgers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dodgers definitely do, but... You know, Torres is an interesting development because I think Torres is overrated for a multitude of things. Number one, he's a Cubs prospect. Uh, number two, he was traded. Prospects that are traded always get a bump. And the, number three, he was traded to the Yankees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think it's a perfect storm of a little bit overrated. I do think the 70-hit tool is there. I think the power potential is above average. But again, he's not going to play shortstop. And his game doesn't stick out as the third baseman um and second base there's no reason to move castro i'd be more interested in in glaver torres if he went to second base sooner rather than later uh but i don't see that happening like we said and you know i just think torres is going to be he's he's going to be a really fun player to watch cuz he's he's javi bias without the extra mustard on defense and i think you know that's fun to watch and the ball skills are, are are very nice, and like I told you earlier, I I, dro- I moved him last year. I moved him for Edwin Encarnacion when I was going for it, straight up trade one for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made that deal last year, and then the same week I made the deal, uh, he popped his left elbow, which is good because he's a righty, but you know he yeah. still don't want to do that. But but I moved him last year, and I have no regrets because E five is my no, window for three years and he's not going away. So,
3: no, I mean, yeah, you definitely, you definitely shouldn't be upset about that. I think that worked out fairly well for you.
1: Yeah. I almost won the league. Uh, but. All
3: right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Matt, what are you working on? Where can people reach at?
1: Uh, prospect season, buddy. Uh, we're doing uh write-ups for every team. Uh, and you can reach me. MD top FWFB. I'm always around. Uh, I'm always the one uh, tweeting about Stanton because it seems like it's how I do nowadays. But uh, <laughs> you yeah, and
3: you and everybody else.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's. We talked a little bit earlier. It's it's crazy out there.
3: <laughs> you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason F W F B. You can uh, read all my stuff either at FanGraphs, Friends of Fantasy Benefits, or at Fantasy Alarm. Uh, you can hear me on this podcast and on the Tout Wars Hour on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Uh, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, 6 to 8 Pacific. Uh, yeah, that's going to wrap us up. So for Matt and myself, thank you for listening. Uh, have a happy Thanksgiving and a fantastic baseball offseason.
1: Happy belated birthday too, buddy.
3: Thanks. Getting old.